Welcome to the Creative for Experience podcast. It's your boy, Billy B. I hope you are doing well. Welcome to episode number 24, and this was one for the ages. Listen, we just recorded this podcast. Now I'm doing the intro, and I am amped out of my mind about what you're going to hear. Listen, this is one where you need to five-star it. Please leave a comment. If you could do anything for me, if you have a slight joy or liking for me at all in your soul, and even just a little bit, if you would take this podcast and let people know about it, because it is such a great one. Jeff Henderson is the author of the book, Be What You're Known For, and we have an incredible time talking about different life experiences he has, about him looking to have uh, Oprah endorse his book and how he's thinking through that, his book tour, also how he thinks about the gap between the questions of who I am to who I really want to be. We had such a great, fun conversation. The experience factor was off the charts as well, but uh, the closing is one of the best closings of all time, just reminding us of uh, who we are and our purpose and uh, the beautiful things you have out in front of you. So I really hope you enjoy this podcast. And listen, this podcast is designed to explore elements of story and how they shape our future. And our goal is to really inspire you through guest stories, their experiences, some anecdotes, some fun moments that cause you not only to reflect, but to take action. So let's get it. Episode 24, Jeff Henderson. All right. I am here with one of my heroes in life in general, and I'm so pumped to have Jeff Henderson on the podcast. Jeff, how you doing? Billy, I'm pumped. I'm looking at your book that has not yet been released, so thanks for that. I'm looking at your book that was just released, so it's like a (laughs) release party, but you're just slightly earlier. I love it. Well, um, the folks that are listening in, really our goal for this podcast is to examine life experience, what that means for where you are and where you're headed. And this podcast is really for folks that have that underdog spirit. It's that person that could be any really age group, but they have this uh, sort of semi-chip on their shoulder. Maybe I'm not quite sure that I have what it takes. And so that's the listener that, if you're tuning in, if that's you, welcome. We're glad you're here. We know that uh, we could overcome things. We know we have the ability to create a better experience for our future. And I'm excited to have you as a guest on the show. And those of you that don't know who Jeff Henderson is, I've already said his bio in the beginning of this, but I want to say again is he has such an incredible book that's out. Uh, know what you're for a growth strategy for work and even better strategy for life. And the forward by just a little well-known semi known guy named John Maxwell. Um, but I know you've been on a tour about this and the folks that are listening in that don't know you at all. I love for you to give them a snapshot of who you are and let's dive in a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I'm a, I'm a pastor right now, but I, I promised myself I wouldn't ever do this. So I, I spent a number of years in the marketing and business world, and I, I really feel like it's interesting season in where you are, Billy, because I, I feel like you know you have the for-profit world and you have the not-profit world over here. But if you could determine it this way, there's the for-profit world and there's the for-purpose world. Yeah. And what I'm discovering is that those two worlds no longer have to be mutually exclusive. That Mark. purpose fuels profit and profit fuels more purpose. That's what the next generation wants anyway. Absolutely. It's the conversation we've been creating for 20 and 30 years about how do we break down the dividing wall with I go to my nine to five, I'm miserable, and then I come home and I do my purpose. And what you're saying is, is those can be blended. Absolutely. And my heartbeat for people in cubicles, if you will, that are living lives of quiet desperation saying, I wish I had more purpose, you, you, you can. And I think one of the ways that you do that is, you, you know, you understand who and what you want to be for. Yeah, absolutely. So understanding what you're for, that probably went back to a really early age for you. You mentioned that you're a pastor now, you've worked in uh, different marketing groups and sectors over time, but tell me the origin story of you. I, 
as anybody knows that listen to this, I love hip-hop music. I love music in general, but particularly when I listen to hip-hop artists, I love their first album because it's their origin story. It's where they came from. So tell me a little bit about the early Jeff Henderson. As a preacher's kid, as I mentioned, I, I promised myself I would never do this because I can remember talking about experiences. One of my first experiences of the church was we would come home from church on Sunday nights. We went to church three times a week. Wow. Did you do this growing up? No, I did not do so that. So we did Sunday up. morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. That's the life of a preacher's kid. <laughs> but on Sunday nights, we would come back. My two brothers and my sister and I would you know, just kind of hang out, watch television or whatever in the living room. And my parents only would be talking about the day's events. And my dad would say, well, you know, brother so-and-so doesn't like this, and deacon so-and-so is not thinking I'm preaching the right way, and brother so-and-so doesn't like this. And my first thought of the church was, why do these people hate my dad? Mm. And then that little thought formed into a decision later on that was, I will never, ever, ever, ever work at a church. Because you saw what people were against. Yeah, and they were against my dad. Uh And so we moved around quite a bit, and that was, I just felt like, and not everyone, but there were people that were kind of against my dad. And my dad was amazing. He was my hero. How could you possibly be against my dad? <laughs> so, and I know you had this in the business world. I just figured, you know, you get paid more in the business world, so I'm just going to go do that. And so that's, and I loved marketing. I loved sports, so I did sports marketing. And I thought I would be doing that for the rest of my life. And But I discovered a group of people that wanted to create a different kind of church. And so that's a little bit of my backstory is that I never, ever thought I would be doing this. So I think for your listeners, you got to be careful to never say you're never going to do something. Uh, that sets you up, I think. Yeah, sort of what you move towards. It's almost like I don't want to be like my mom or dad. If there's a characteristic of a family member, I'm not going to be that way. And then you end up becoming that way. So <laughs> that's right. So be careful what you say out loud. We'll get, we'll get to that uh, topic in a little bit. But as you know, this... This podcast is called Creative for Experience. What does the word experience mean for you? Mm, that's good. You know, a few years ago, there was the book Experience Economy. Yeah. and So it's good. Like, Pine and Gilmore. Yeah. Shout out. So we want to create an experience um, for, for you. But I think for me, the word authenticity goes with experience. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to create something that's artificial. I want it to be authentic, and this is something that's who I am and who we are. Yeah. And you would never see me doing hip-hop, because that's not who I am. Not that I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I just was born in the 60s. There was no such thing. Right. Um, so I would bring you in and say, hey, let's do hip-hop, and let's create an experience for them. But I'm not the expert in this. But So I think it has to emanate from experience. People, especially what I do now in church world, they want to see, are, are you just talking because you're a pastor, or are you really living this out? And Ironically, when you let people know, and take my line of work, you think you may think this is the opposite way to do this, but when you let people see your flaws, you create an experience for them that draws them to you, which draws them to the message that you're wanting to create. So for me, I think authenticity, which can be an overused word, but I think an experience for me has to start there. I want to give you something that's actually emanating from me, that's something I've been carrying with. And uh, a mutual hero of ours, uh, Dr. Charles Stanley, says that unless you have a burden, you're not ready to present. And I feel like if you don't have a burden and a passion, then you're not ready to create an experience. But that has to come from an authentic place within, within your soul, which is what I love about what you're writing. When I think about you, I think about you want to create a culture, not only for your business, but you want to create a culture for the experiences and for the people that you're doing work with. And that's this book is just part of who you are. It's not a project. Yeah, it's looking at each person you come into contact with. How could I leave that person better than when I found them? 
And that doesn't take me when the microphone is turned on for me becoming something different, being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. I do this illustration when I'm speaking at places. I'll take the mic if it's a handheld, and I'll talk a little bit, and then I'll just pull the mic away. If it's a room of 400 people, you notice I'm saying the exact same thing, but it's just amplifying what's right. already going on. Right. So I, I have this concept that I share called who you are off the microphone is more important than who you are on the microphone. And we Love all it. have these issues. I mean, I've, I've, I can tell all my leadership failures, this would be a long podcast if we went there, but <laughs> but I think that that is right, is is leading with authenticity. One of my favorite moments uh, at the Golden Globe Awards, Jimmy Fallon was the MC of it, and he came out to the stage to start the show, and all the lights are on him, everybody's excited. All right, hey guys, welcome. Jimmy Fallon, welcome to the Golden Globes. And you can see him just stand there with this blank look on his face, and he said, and the teleprompter just went out. How's everybody doing? <laughs> and it was so, it, like, there was a collective, like, breath of fresh air that the whole room knew. And he said, well, while they're changing that out, let me point out a few people in the room. How you doing over there? That's and, he, awesome. and he just took this moment to be authentic. It's why we love Jimmy. It's why you see the way that he interacts with people. It's why he's one of my, one of my favorites. Justin Timberlake's another one of my favorites. He takes the moments in the crowd and interacts with people and is authentic with what he does. And obviously extremely, um, extremely great at what he does. So experiences for me go to a lot of different avenues. Uh, music, plays, moments of worship, uh, moments of calm, being on a hillside. There's so many different ways. Yeah. What is your favorite experience of all time? I'm sure there's a lot. And you've got an amazing wife and kids and all those uh, elements of life. But when you could you boil it down into one, maybe two of your favorite experiences of all time? I think to understand this, you have to understand a little bit of the backstory. My kids grew up, we were big Pixar fans. Yes. And, you know, we got finding, Katie in the studio. There we go. Fist pumps. Yeah. yeah, Finding Nemo and, <laughs> yes. and Toy Story and all that. Can you fact, name ten Pixar movies? Go. Oh, Finding Nemo. Well, Toy Story one, two, three. Um, <laughs> oh, we'll let that slide. Monsters Inc. Yep. Uh, um, um, Ratatouille, um, Coco, um, Big. No, Big. Big. Um, the Up. 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 Yep. Up. Um, I'm lost. What's two more, Katie? We need help. Incredibles and. Creed. Incredible, oh, incredible! Yeah, that's yeah. like the numbers you can. Yeah, you can. yeah. <laughs> I'm in my fifties, but I can't go past eight. So, <laughs> so love Pixar, even though I can't name ten movies. And but one of the things we were talking about before we went on the air. So knowing our kids were like that, and we love Pixar. And just I saw um, on the Monsters Inc. on the DVD there was a behind the scenes. This is back when they had DVDs. A behind the scenes office tour. It's oh, talking yeah. about culture, and I yeah. thought, oh my goodness, look at they had a private. They had this door, they had this private uh, area, which is just so cool. I thought, if I could ever get a tour. And I remember, okay, I'm recalling this story. Keep going. Yeah. I'm getting fired if up right now. If I could ever get a tour of this, the offices, it'd uh-huh. be great. So I was actually able to meet Ed Catmull, the president of Disney Animation and Pixar, for about 35 seconds four years ago at a LeaderCast event. and But I got my picture with him. Mm-hmm. So... We told my daughter when she graduated from high school, hey, we'll go anywhere you want to, you know, within reason to celebrate. And she said, let's go to San Francisco. I've never been there. And that's when I thought, you know what? Pixar's near there. I wonder if we could, you know, can we take my family there? So I actually ended up writing Ed Catmull a letter and said, hey, I know you don't remember me, but here's a picture of us from four years ago. My family loves Pixar. We're celebrating my daughter's high school graduation. Any chance that we could get a private tour at Pixar, you know? And I don't know, Ed. I don't even know if I have the right address, you know. And so I'm writing this letter, and there's one side of my brain that's like, this would be amazing. Then there's another side. I don't know if you talk to yourself, Billy, but I oh, do. Yeah. 
Often. There's an other side that's thinking, don't you have better things to do? This is a complete <laughs> total waste of a postage stamp. This is complete total waste of money. You don't even know if this is the right address. And and that's, I would just say this to your listeners, that's where we all live. Mm. We have these two voices. And what I've decided to do in my old age is I'm going to listen to the voice that says, yeah, but what if it's, what if I get a yes? Because I'm going to get more no's and I'm going to mm. get yeses, but I'm just, I'm just looking for a few yeses. Come on. So I mail the letter. This is in January of that year, January, February of that year. And I don't hear anything back until May. I get a call wow. from Oakland, California. Five months. Yeah, so five months. I've kind of, for, you know, we're still going, but, you know, okay, well, it's one of those things you ask and you never hear from. And then I get a call one day from Oakland, California. Well, I don't know anybody from Oakland, California, so I just hit, you know, decline. <laughs> and wait a minute. Solicitor. Yeah, Solicitor that's right. Decline. Hello, Mr. Henderson. So I, I noticed that night I have a phone, a voicemail from Oakland, California. So I listen to the voicemail and it says, hello, this is Wendy from Ed Catmull's office. Got your letter. We'd love to give you guys a tour. Snap. Shut up. You know, so then fast forward to June, we pull up to the iconic Steve Jobs designed Pixar gates, you know, and, and you're like, please let this happen, Lord. <laughs> and so you pull up to the gate and there's a security guard. He looks at us and there's this pause. You you're know? not supposed to be here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, you wrote the letter. You're the guy. Yeah. So I, we're the Hendersons from Swanee, Georgia, you know, here to tour Pixar and he uh, pause. And then he goes, well, welcome Henderson family from Swanee, Georgia. They gave us these little uh, name badges that said strangers from the outside. That was really cool. And so speaking of the experience, those tour, we're, they gave us the whole tour. And then, I don't know if we were just sweet people from Georgia, but they, the tour guide said, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm, we, we don't really do this, but I'm going to take you back to the animation studios and let you see the artist working on a film that's coming out six months from now. Yes. It, was the, it was the movie Coco. We had to sign awesome. a non-disclosure agreement that says if you see anything and reveal it, we can kill you, you know, before Coco comes out. We went up to see where st- they still have st- had Steve Jobs' office where he w- when he would come in. Hmm. It was amazing. But my favorite part of the experience, Billy, was this. Here's, here's why I tell you that long story. We're, we're walking through. They pay, pay for our lunch. They have this wonderful, wonderful cafeteria with their Academy Awards. All this kind of, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And as we're walking to lunch, my daughter Jessie says, Dad, this is so cool. And I just thought in that moment, oh, I'm so glad I listened to mm. this voice yes. that said, hey, write the letter and see what happens. Yeah. Because if I had listened to this voice that said, this is a complete, total waste of time, then that moment would have never, that experience would have never happened. So I've decided I'm just going to say yes. I mean, I'm just going to ask big from now on. And I get a whole lot of no's. Most of the time, I don't get any responses. But there are those times that I actually get a yes. And give you an interesting another example. I just came from a lunch meeting of a guy, Joey Ryman. Joey's an ad legend in Atlanta. I wrote, I read Joey's book uh, 16 years ago, wrote him a letter. Would you come speak to our staff at Buckhead Church? He wrote me back and said yes. He read my book and he said, hey, I think we ought to create a feature film out of this with a um, fictional character that is living this out. I just came from that lunch. Well, wow. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but he's going to hire a team of writers and we're going to see. But none of that would have happened if I had not 16 years ago written Joey Ryman. I say, feel hey, like that's your, that's your, that's your superpower. Cause I remember just bothering people, Well, bothering people. Yeah. <laughs> you do that very well in a very nice way. Thank you. But knowing I used to sing at Buckhead church Yeah, and I remember my handwritten notes from Jeff Henderson back when it was 
way back in the day in the grocery store, I remember getting handwritten notes. Hey, Billy, thank you for your energy. Thank you for your notes not being necessarily on, on what they should be, but thank you for your energy. You didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, and I remember when um, my now wife, then girlfriend, was baptized at Buckhead Church. I remember the note you wrote to her, to Jen as well. Mm-hmm. She still has it. I still have mine. You talk about this feature film you're going to have. You're talking about going to Pixar. What do you think the magic is there of taking that intentional time? It's a stamp. It's time. It's having the right address. Like, why, why has that been so powerful for you? Because I feel like that's one of your distinctives. Because the Pixar story started with that. Our story started with that. Mm-hmm. And this potential feature film is starting with that. I think one of the lessons I've learned from our mutual friend, David Salyers, is the more personable, the more remarkable. Mm. So don't talk yourself out of the personable. And I think the larger organizations can get, you know, I can't do this for everybody. You got but a I, skill. You got a scale. You got to automate. You got yeah, all this. And I think all of that is true. But I love what our other mutual friend, Andy Stanley, says, is that do for one what you wish you could do for yeah. everyone. And that gives me a system, if you will. That gives me a goal mm-hmm. to write three handwritten thank you notes a day. You do three a day. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And great it's just, and it, and it bothers me if I get to the end of the day and like to, so we're in the afternoon. I've not yet written three thank you notes. So it bothers me that I that I haven't done that yet. And I'm what not, system do you have? Do you do a, an Excel spreadsheet? How do you know who you sent them to? Do you have one? So I've got well, one of the things I do is I have note cards in my uh, bag here. I have note cards in my glove compartment of my car. So if you know I pull off at a coffee shop and somebody's late, I've, I've got that. But I'm looking for stories to write. So mm-hmm. every Sunday night, I'll send to our staff and say, hey, were there any volunteers that did something today that, for example, we did a big event for high school students last night. Well, there were four people that at that event that were volunteers that I saw do different things, did just amazing things. So last night I emailed my assistant and said, hey, could you, these four people, could you get me their address? Because they did this tonight. It was so remarkable. So this morning she sent me their addresses. So there's the four that I've got. So one more than three. But, so do you put that one on tomorrow and count that one? For <laughs> that's right. That's right. So tomorrow we have to uh-huh. do two. Well, but when I'll, honestly, I haven't done zero <laughs> so far today. But I have those four to write. And I just know what it means when I think people want to want to be noticed and to appreciate. I yeah. mean, I honestly appreciated the fact that someone of your talent was at Buckhead Church investing in the next generation. I just really appreciate that. I'm just really grateful. I'm really amazed and grateful that Jen shared her story and we got to celebrate her baptism. I'm genuinely appreciative of that. I see you tearing up right now as you're thinking about it. Absolutely. It's just so fun to see a leader of your caliber. You're an author now, speaking at a a lot of different places, but seeing that you're still really in touch with going somewhere and seeing a volunteer, it's, it's great to go, hey, great job tonight. But to get their four names get their addresses and have that system. I mean, that, that is something, if you're listening in, that, if, if you know, success leaves us clues behind, and that's one for you that's just been, you know, I, I can see, you know, I remember um, Carol Thomas, you did her husband's funeral. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget how you led her husband's funeral by talking about Proverbs 31. Let's give Carol a standing ovation for being an amazing wife to this man who's no longer here. I remember just sitting there going, oh my goodness. You've done that for me. And so like that, that was, I know like that was probably, you probably forgot about that moment. That was incredible. Mm -hmm. That moment's incredible. That's cool. You're in front of people and you did a really good job of honoring her. That was awesome. But I think what's even more incredible is to go to a volunteer thing and to figure out how I can get those four names. It's easy to say, well, 
I'll catch up with them another time, you know? And so that success for me is take the opportunities when you're in front of a bunch of people with a mic, when you happen to have one, honor people, do something remarkable, do something for Carol that, you know, changed her life. And she's an amazing woman. And uh, that was a really cool moment, but also do something behind the scenes where they're probably going to get that note when maybe Friday or Mm -hmm. early next week, Mm -hmm. probably have totally forgotten about the event last night, but then that's refreshing. Oh my goodness. And then guess what? What gets celebrated gets reproduced. That's one of the main principles in that book is if you celebrate it well, they're going to reproduce it. So they saw Jeff Henderson wrote me a note about that thing that I did. Guess what? They're going to tell that story to everybody. And so that's behind the scenes, but in front of the scenes as well. So, gosh. Well, I think people people want to be appreciated. And, and when the more people are appreciated, the, the you, they rise to the standards that you give them. Yeah. And that's what you talk about in your book, that there's, you know, when you tell your team that you believe in them. So I think a lot of leaders say, I, I, the team knows that. I believe in them. It's that's not the issue. The issue isn't do you believe in your team. The issue is when's the last time you've told them. Yeah. The issue isn't with your kids. The issue isn't do you love your kids. Of course you do. The issue is when's the last time you've told your kids. And so I just want to I just want to assume the worst. I want to assume that they don't know that I love them. Mm-hmm. I want to assume that they don't think I'm appreciative. The other thing I would go back to, and I'm so grateful for the compliment. But I think ego is the enemy. So when leaders buy into, I'm a leader of a certain caliber, that's the beginning of the end. Mm. Um, I feel like it's the, you have to flip to go, Billy Bowie, we have that kind of a leader on our stage and and serving our kids? Oh my goodness. It's not look at the leader, how Mm. much capable I am. It's look at the, I mean, last night, these people that were serving high school students are, are doing huge jobs in companies that I could mm-hmm. list their names right now, but they decided to put a towel over their arm and serve high school students. And they didn't know I was in the back of the room last night, mm-hmm. but they will on Friday. Yeah, I saw you do this. In fact, there was a high school student, this, there, there, he serves in middle school. I was, this was two weeks ago, Ford Reasons. I think he will be president in year 2050. And um, he's an amazing kid. But he's a high school senior serving as, as a small group leader for middle school heat students. So he walks into the building that day, and all these kids just light up, and they rush toward him. So I saw that, and I said, hey, Ford, you didn't know this, but I was in the back of the room. There's something in you that's leading this next generation. You need to pay attention to it. But, but most of all, just thanks for being here at Winters. Mm. Well, I saw his parents yesterday. They were so grateful yeah. because they were saying thanks for speaking in to um, the life of our son. So I just think those moments, we if we're not careful, Billy, we can miss them. Well, C.S. Lewis, my favorite quote by him is, people need to be more reminded than instructed. Absolutely. But just just a reminder again, you know, my, my kids say, my dad, you always say that you love us. Like, yeah. And guess what? I'm going to keep saying it. I'm going to remind you that it's not based on your performance, it's based on who you are. And yeah. so I think this Creative for Experience episode has taken a different turn for me to think about how we can serve the people around us by just noticing the word you use. I love that. Noticing things that they're doing well and just calling that out in them. I use this concept. It's in the book as well as calling people up, not calling people out. Love it. More of just how can we call people up when you see it and you're reminded. So parenting, I'm learning this as a parent, is how do I, when I see them doing something great, celebrating it like they won the Nobel Peace Prize versus yeah. always being the no, 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 no. It's, it's what your book said, a transition to that. I'm holding it in my hand right now. Listeners, if you have not picked up, know what you're for. It's got a really cool cover. You'll see it. Uh, check it out online. I'm sure you can get it on Amazon and all the places. But why did you write this book? In light of what we're just talking about, in light of being for people, why did you write this book and tell us a little bit about what it's all about? 
couple of reasons. I think overarching, I, I think in, and I put this in the book, in a hypercritical, cynical world often known for what it's against, I want to create a community known for what we're for. I think that's a better way to change the world. Mm. And I think it's just, it's, I think it's the wave of the future. I think there's something in us that wants to be known more for what we're for. But I actually worked for two organizations that experienced explosive growth for the last 22 years. One being Chick-fil-A. They'll be, ten, as you know, $10 billion in sales this year, 52 years of consecutive same-store sales growth. North Point Ministries was just named the largest church in America. So here I am. I've had the opportunity to serve on the front row of both of these organizations. And for a while, I thought, what a great blessing. I mean, I got to work for Chick-fil-A and North Point. But then I, I felt like the Lord convicted me a little bit and said, yeah, it's a blessing, but it's also a stewardship responsibility. You should share with the world what you've learned. And I think I've learned the secret to growth in these two organizations. I think it's the secret to growth in um, really any organization because when it comes down to it, if you want to talk marketing just for a second, a business, if you will, a business is no longer what it tells customers it is. A business is what customers tell other customers it is. Mm. And so it's, it's, that's, it's word of mouth, positive word of mouth advertising is the game. So when I was in advertising 101, the professor said, hey, we know that's to be, to be the case. We don't know how to figure out that, so we're just going to spend the rest of the semester on paid advertising. And I always wanted to raise my hand and go, I don't think it has to be that mysterious. And so if you can understand how to fuel positive word of mouth advertising, whether you're in the chicken business, the podcast business, or the church business, the more vision carriers you have, the more vision casters you have. Mm. Say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that one more time. The more vision carriers you have, the more vision casters you have. So if they see your business, they're the one that you're marketing. So you can get paid Facebook ads. You can go live on every platform. But if you create that great vision, they're going to be the one that's going to be carrying it for you. So if I have that's the good. best, if I have a hot dog business and I tell you, Billy, I have the best hot dog in in town Doesn't and I, I put Facebook advertising, you're, that's not going to be surprising. You might get me there once. Right. But, but if Katie tells you and Abby tells you, this is the best hot dog I've had. They have become vision carriers for my hot dog business. Mm -hmm. So what you've got to do is you've got to ask basically two questions. And these two questions are, I think, the secret to growth for a church, for a business, for a nonprofit, for anything. And the question number one is, what do you want to be known for? What do you want to be known for? Mm -hmm. Is that the best hot dog in town? What do you want to be known for? That's your question. That's your unique niche in the universe, where Steve Jobs would say you're dent in the universe. That's what you do uniquely, okay? So that's your question to answer. The second question is, what are you known for? So if I want to be known for being the best hot dog in town, then it's Katie and Abby saying, hey, I've had that, and it is the best hot dog in town. So the power of those two questions, the reason they catalyze growth is when what you want to be known for is what you're known for, mm. then you create a sales force for free. People start talking about your organization, wow. your business, That's your good. nonprofit, and they carry your vision. The reality is that there's a gap between those two questions in any organization. As much as I love Chick-fil-A and I love them dearly, someone in the world today will get some cold waffle fries. So there's a gap. There's not a perfect organization. But the goal of every organization should be to shrink the gap. And I wanted to teach how you shrink that gap so that we could have more growing, thriving businesses and growing, thriving organizations. I think that's how you change the world. In fact, if you were to ask me, how do you change the world? I got a lot of answers for that. But one of them would be, you change the world one community at a time. Well, how do you change one community at a time? Well, I think you need to have thriving businesses, 
thriving churches, thriving schools, and thriving organizations. And the more thriving organizations you have, the more thriving communities you have, and the more thriving communities you have, the more you change the world. And I wanted to teach organizations how to do that and how to shrink the gap. And so, but when I talk about it's also a great, uh, it's a better strategy for your personal life, those two questions for me are challenging. Because if you were to ask me, Jeff, what do you want to be known for? Well, there's, and we can talk about the answers to that, because that's on the book tour I've had this well, right, question. Right, right when you said that, I was like, huh. I mean, it made me really get inward. So if you're listening in too, I mean, this is not a one-word answer. No. This is a working out process in right. different seasons of life that adjusts and changes. Mm-hmm. Keep going, but I, I was processing. Well, that. I'll give, there's several answers to the question for me because I've been on the book tour and people have said, hey, what do you want to be known for? Let me tell you. Well, I've got some answers to that because I've been wrestling with this for a while. But one of the answers, not all of them, but just I'll just give you one. One of them is I want to be known for being for the person in front of me whoever that may be at the time. So right now, it's Abby, Billy, and Katie. But before I got here, I stopped by Starbucks, and which is why I was three minutes late, by the way. And uh, I wanted to be for Holly. Now, Holly's name is pretty easy to remember because we're recording this in Christmas season. But Holly, actually, because I said her name, you know what she did, Billy? She mm. gave me my coffee for free. She said, thank you for, I'm just going to give this to you for free. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Just thank being you. nice. Just It's just. Being present. It's, it is. It it's is crazy. The, it's so simple. It is the differentiator in business. There's so many times where, and I'm not tooting my own horn or patting myself over my own back. I've just said, you know what? We're going to do that for you at no cost. Like, it's going to be great. And the client would say, no, I want to pay you double for it. We've had times where people have added money to invoices that they pay us just because we were willing to do that. Now, I've had people that say, great, well, you should have. There's that, too. Yeah. But just being nice. Yeah. But, but I like the way you put it as being fully present with the person that you're there. I remember Catalyst Conference um, had Propaganda, who's a um, spoken word artist, who did this uh, piece called Be Present. Yeah. And it was all about just being present in the moment. I love that you remembered Holly's name. Mm-hmm. And it could be that you write a letter to Holly. Yeah. I don't know if she's on the list of doing that, but just knowing you can just be nice and being present. Because I think you could be both of those, be present, be a jerk, or you can be nice and not say anything to anybody. But the fact that you were present, you're able to say that. Not that you did it for the free coffee, but Starbucks ain't cheap. But Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think it's just being for the person. But if you were to say, Jeff, you know, what do you want to be known for? Well, I, you know, I, one of the things I'd like to be known for is to be a great husband. I'd like to be known as for a, a great dad. But you know who have, you have to go to to actually get the answer to that? Not you. Not me. Mm-hmm. You have to go to Wendy. You have to go to Jesse. You have to go to Cole. I want to be a, you know, a great servant leader to the Gwinnett Church team. You don't come to me. You go to those folks. So I've got to go to the people in my life and go, this is not only saying this is what I want to be known for. Then I've got to invite them to say, when you see a gap in my life, you do me a favor by bringing you know, criticism, if you will, to say, there's a gap here, Jeff. You're not being the husband that you want to be. When I see that as a gift, it becomes a game changer for me because I've created an opportunity for people to bring a mirror to my life and go, let me tell you what it's like to be on the other and side. And not in judgment, not in, oh, you're not doing it. It's you're, you're inviting them in. I think that's important. As a lot of people look at feedback, I work with a lot of people in, in Generation Y and Generation Z and spend a lot of time with Dr. Tim Moore, who's a mutual friend, yeah. of just learning how to communicate to the next generation. And a lot of times feedback gets stiff-armed because it wasn't invited. I think as the leader on this side of it, you can say, no, I, I, I want to invite you into this process with me. I need to hear this. I and mean, when you hear it and it stings a little bit, don't give pushback saying, gosh, that's so interesting. Let me process that together. Mm-hmm. So I love that you're able to do that. 
And the gap between those two questions, there's areas in my life where that gap is massive. And I'm just thinking to myself, gosh, I need to figure out how to ask better questions to get people comfortable enough to be able to say that. It's, it's not on them, it's on me. And this has given our team and the people in my life um, sometimes a little bit too much leeway yeah. <laughs> to go, hey, I see a gap here. So, <laughs> so we want to close, I want to help you close the gap because I, but what that hat, what that, what it requires is it requires me to be able to articulate what I want to be known for, mm. share it with them. Now that they have that information, I will say to them, now when you see a gap, I want you to tell me, mm. and then I want to receive that. And, yeah. and so that that's why this is a personal growth strategy as well. And when you start growing as a person and you have a group of people that are growing, the business is going to take care of itself. Mm. And that's what one of the lessons I put in the book is that from Truett Cathy, when I, I learned from him, is that Truett was more interested in the business growing people than he was people growing the business. Mm. And that's how the business grew. He just knew that if I grow people to be who they have been created to be, the bit, then we're just talking mere details. Mm. We'll figure out chicken pricing and the drive-through and all that. All of that's important. We'll figure that out. But we'll figure that out with people that are growing. Yeah. Because if we are more interested in, in people growing the business and business growing people, we put a lid on the growth. So all of this are these are stories that I've learned that I didn't know were there. It's just like with your book, with anything, there are stories within all of us that we don't know that's there. And I was challenged by a friend of mine to write this about a year and a half ago. And when I started writing it, all these stories, it just kind of, oh, here it is. It's just all, all I've experienced it, it just kind of came out of me. Yeah, and you, you started writing the book. And I have one more question, then I want to go to this experience factory and close this thing down. It's been an amazing interview. I, I hope those of you that are listening, if you like what you're hearing, if you will take a screenshot of this with your iPhone or Android, if you'll share it and let folks know about this podcast, I am not asking you to do that to grow this podcast. I'm asking you if this has made an impact on you to share it with someone else, because I think this message is beautiful to find out what we're for and the gap between those two questions. So please do that for me. But the question, you mentioned somebody challenged you to write the book. We were talking before we turned the microphones on here about dreaming big, about asking someone bigger than you think might endorse your book. I know Bob Golf, who's an amazing, amazing guy. I smile when I think of him, just the balloons and his joy and hugging everybody and <laughs> yep. cell phone number in the book and the whole thing. But uh, asking bigger, just challenge yourself. And when he when he posted about your book, you had a bump in sales. Yep. And you've been sort of tongue-in-cheek joking a little bit at this book tour that you're doing is, hey, does anybody know Oprah? Right. But you're sort of joking, but not joking. You're you're asking and moving into that. I want to talk a little bit about, it's kind of my, my final question before this, is how do you dream bigger, particularly the Oprah story and maybe a few things that have happened since you started saying that? Mm-hmm. I keep asking big. And, and I think one of the things I have to do is to remain inspired. It's not enough to get inspired. You have to remain inspired. Mm. And if I'm not asking some crazy, big, audacious things on a regular basis, uh, my inspiration meter is, is, is winding so down. So it's not somebody else to keep you inspired. Remaining inspired is a choice that you make. I think that's a whole other podcast in itself. Is it remaining inspired? I think we're, we're waiting on other people to do that. But for me and myself, how do I continue? That's, that's so good. I've never quite heard it put that way before, but I, I get down on myself emotionally I'm down here at times and I'm waiting for something else instead of inspiring myself. For me, it's like prayer, meditation, workout, read something, get back up and do it. And that's a differentiator in this office at Elevate, at our team. I see it. I can almost pick out when somebody is 
remaining inspired or they're waiting something from the outside, right? right. You can see it, I'm sure, in leaders you've met too. So, it co- And it really comes down to, ironically, th- there are four groups of people you need to be for to, to shrink the gap. You need to be for the customer, for the team, for the larger community. But ironically, that fourth person is you. Mm. Because the best gift that you can give the other three is a rested, rejuvenated, healthy, remaining mm. inspired you. Because if you're not remaining inspired, then again, you've put a lid on that potential. So one of the best things that I can do is to ask big and think, you know what? I wonder what, but, but you and I were talking about this. I, this thing with Oprah, I was just, you know, I'm a pastor, so, you know, you do these things. But you pray, I was praying and said, God, I, I really believe in this message. I need help getting it out. And I just... I don't know. God's never spoken audibly to me, but I felt like I just heard, send the book to Oprah. And in those moments, is that from God? Is it something I ate the night before? What is, I don't know. But what you and I were talking before we recorded is I've decided not to dismiss those thoughts. I've decided to be better stewards. I go, well, okay, I don't know where that's going to lead me, but I'm not going to discard it. Go, that's crazy. I don't know, Oprah. How do I? So I've started asking people, and I put it on LinkedIn. I did a video posted on LinkedIn. And it's been so fun and funny to see where I've gotten with this. And who knows if I'll ever get to meet Oprah. But I'm a whole lot closer three weeks in asking this than I ever have been. And I just I think these pathways of these ideas and these promptings, I take it really seriously. And you mentioned the container You've now created the container so when Oprah contacts you, are like, oh, yeah, of course, because I've been asking, and then you know what to do with that. Right. You mentioned the story of the lady that had an idea of a book. Tell them that, that story real quick. Yeah, so she had this idea that uh, I have this idea for a novel, and then she never got around to it, and then she was at a writer's conference, and she was talking to a friend who had just published a book, and it was basically that, her idea. Mm. And her perspective, I don't know how this works, but her perspective was I wasn't a good steward of that, that idea, so that idea went somewhere else. I, I don't know how all that works. But there's, I think somewhere in that is we're, we need to be stewards of the ideas and the promptings that we get. And who knows? It may not be Oprah, but it may be somebody that says, you know what? I don't know Oprah, but I do know this person over here. I'll give you another quick example. When we launched Gwinnett Church, our team came up with this idea to launch the church with this wonderful video about being for Gwinnett. I saw it. They showed me a storyboard. And I said, the only thing I would add is I know who should do the voiceover because I need a voiceover. And they said, who's that? And I said, Morgan Freeman. We've got to get Morgan Freeman. He's the voice. You know, He actually <laughs> played God in a movie. So come on now. <laughs> so they said, do you know Morgan Freeman? I said, no, but I've watched Shawshank Redemption seven times. Close so, enough. So there we go. So I went on this little journey. I knew a guy in Hollywood. I called him. Long story short, we get to Morgan Freeman's daughter. She takes this idea to her dad. He considers it for a little bit, looks at his schedule. Long story short, it didn't work out. The guy calls me back, says, I'm sorry it didn't work out with his schedule, but there's a guy that when he swallows cold air, his voice sounds just like Morgan Freeman's. And I thought, <laughs> this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> the most random yeah. thing ever. <laughs> And so he goes, so I'm, I know what you're thinking, so uh, check your email. So I, I checked my email. He had sent me this YouTube clip. And for your listeners, if you just type in, uh, guy swallows cold air sounds like Morgan Freeman. This guy's um, we'll put that link in the uh, will come up the podcast. And so yes. this guy swallows cold air and he does uh, he does a speech from Shawshank Redemption. All right, sounds just like Morgan Freeman. <laughs> and we asked that guy to do the video. So here's the thing: I didn't get to Morgan Freeman, but I got to someone who sounded like Morgan Freeman at a 
fraction of the cost. Mm -hmm. My point is, is just that whole journey was so hilarious, so funny, and it actually ended up somewhere else. So I don't know if I'm going to get to Oprah, but what I'm convinced, Billy, I'm going to get somewhere and it's going to be great. Yeah. And there's a guy named Charlie is just at Charlie on Instagram. He talks about this, just this power of uh, abracadabra, that word in the Hebrew means as I speak it, it happens. Wow. Like magician idea. Uh, and he talks about it as I speak it, it happens. And so there's some of that gets a little mystical and out there, but, but I think it's something that's really practical because it tunes our minds to asking the questions about Oprah. Like, I would love to have Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Eminem, and Will Smith on this show. That'd be a goal for me. So I'm saying it out loud. So anybody knows those three, let me know. I'd love to have, have them on Creative for Experience. And you just got a whole lot closer than you were before. Right. Because now I believe that that's going to happen. Yeah. Whether that's five years from now, 10 years from now, or next yeah. week, somebody's going to say, oh, wow. Remember um, on direct message, I direct messaged Gary Vaynerchuk and said, hey, we need to meet about the experience you're creating for your clients. I'm a big fan of what you do. His assistant emailed me within like three minutes after that DM and I flew up there and met with their people. We haven't Amazing. done anything with them yet, yeah. but it was a great conversation. It's potentially did some other stuff. So anyway, I, I love you very much. I'm very proud of this book. I hope that listeners, you will pick it up, but now it's time to go into the experience factory. Let's do it. I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. Yeah, you should be nervous because most <laughs> people don't make it out of the factory. Okay. It's a mystical place that we go into the atmosphere where we play you a song or a tune or a sonnet or a poem or just a sound effect and you tell us where it takes you. All right? Wow. And I'll decide if it's good or not. (laughs) We're going to have a little fun. Okay, let's try this first one out. Here we go. Where'd you go? Speed Racer. Do you know who Speed Racer is? Go Speed Racer. Yeah, yeah. Okay, That's Speed Racer. And then it reminds me of my wife's driving. (laughs) 285 at 5 o'clock. All right, here we go. That reminds me of my son as a kid laughing. I have no idea if that's... It says chimpanzee on the okay. sound effects, so that works When he was there. a little, little, little bitty boy. <laughs> Here we go. High Wire Act. Okay. Uh, that reminds me of Cirque du Soleil. Okay, Cirque du Soleil. I got a couple more here. There's an ready? experience for you. Here we go. Ironically, it reminds me of Holly from Starbucks because of Christmas. So there you go. And free coffee. Thank you again, Holly, if you're out there for the free coffee. How about this one right here? Here we go. Oh, that's my favorite one. (laughs) It reminds me of the, you're too young for the gong show. But that wasn't the gong show, but it was was like. Well, how about this one right here? Yeah, there we go. There you go. That was closer. Okay, Okay, good. Got a couple more for you. Where does this take you? I love it. Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. Yeah. It, it takes me to, I love Hans Zimmer. Yeah. And it, Hans Zimmer didn't write this, but Hans Zimmer is just a master, and uh, I love movie themes. What's, this is my kind of music. Like, if you were to ask me, what's your music? This would be movie themes. So while like you're this. working, you have movie themes on the background? Mm-hmm. Hans, Hans and John Williams, both of them, yep. I'll just put their soundtracks on and enjoy it. Let me give you another one. Let's see if you can pick this movie out. Ready? Oh, Indiana Jones. Yes. Harrison Ford. Did you have the hat as a kid and like the jacket, the whole thing? Well, speaking of my son, he actually dressed up as Indiana Jones one year for Halloween, so that was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you have a big boulder you try to roll over and stuff? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> a plastic boulder that came running out. All right, here's one more for you, last one. Oh, this is Pixar. It is. Yeah, Toy Story. Yeah. Which absolutely. Toy Story? 
It's got to be one. Any of them, right? Yeah, that's right. You're going to play for all of them. Well, I'm going to let you off the hot seat. Great job. Jeff. Man, that was that was nerve-wracking. I it just, was tough. I, yeah. That, was that and trying to name 10 Pixar movies. That was very <laughs> stressful. But, hey, thanks for having me on here. I love being here. You guys are just awesome. So go team. Pleasure. What would and, you hey, say? congrats about the book. Thank you. Really, really excited. Coming out January 14th, 2020. Pumped. So if you're listening to this before or after, love for you to pick that book up. And also make sure you go check out Four. Uh, know What You're For by Jeff Henderson. Um, anything you'd close out with? You mentioned I got a chance to be on your podcast um, about a year ago, and you said that it was one of the best closer of a podcast. I'm expecting you to come out of the bullpen like the old school Mark Wollers right now with a fastball at 99 <laughs> miles an hour. Old school Mark Wollers, wow. <laughs> it, now, let me correct you. It wasn't one of the best closings to our podcast. It was the best oh, wow. closing to the podcast. Wow. So, so the bar is set high for yourself. Right? Yeah. I, I will close this down with a thought. I will not get there. I will not get there. But I, I'll just say this. I think that you have a defined purpose if you're listening to this. And if you're list- you are listening to this, there's a reason why. And I think you need to pay attention to those dreams, those voices, those promptings inside of you, and you need to stop putting them down and stop refusing to listen to them. And I think in the middle of those promptings, in the middle of those ideas, is the answer to the question of what do you want to be known for? And if you haven't figured that out, then not only are you robbing yourself of the answer, you're robbing the rest of us of the answer. So if you won't do it for you, please, please figure out what you want to be known for and do it for us. Mm, that is how you close. That's how you close. I don't even know if I should give a close after the close. That was the close. Jeff, thank you. Thanks, Billy. Yo, episode 24. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Listen, I love Jeff Henderson. And if you're still listening, it means you did too. So please, if you're listening to the podcast and you haven't subscribed, I'm watching. Just kidding, I'm not. But I'd love for you to subscribe. So hit that button. We got podcasts coming out. And our goal is really to inspire you with some great content, bring on fantastic guests that are going to really show you their life experience and how it can inspire you. So thanks again for tuning in. The Keep It Fresh Chronicle is the place where each week we put out content. Three tips a week. It's just three leadership tips from me to you delivered to your inbox. And that is going to drop every Tuesday. And when you get that email, it's literally no strings attached. It's just things that I'm learning and that hopefully can help you grow as a leader as well. So go to keepitfresh.vip, enter your email address, and we will send that to you. Uh, And along with that, the very first email you'll get from the Keep It Fresh Chronicle has this really great resource we call The Pivot. And it's different ways that I've learned throughout my career to take something that goes good or bad and take a pivot and move things in the direction you want to go. So that's a great resource for you. Totally free. No hooks, no strings. I just want to say thank you for tuning in and listening to the Creative for Experience podcast. Holla back.